Hello, how you doing? You good? Fantastic. This is fun, being in Queensland with you all. It's fantastic. just want to say thank you for the invitation. I really do appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just come from the Redcliffe um, campus, which was great. Broke the land speed record to get here. <laughs> so that was, that was good. Really do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> did I just stop you in, mate? Sorry. Just <laughs> no, you're a good driver. Fast, but good. You're very good. <laughs> I think we're going to have fun this morning. How's it sound? Uh, as was mentioned, I uh, am from Adelaide, born and bred in Adelaide, and we planted a church, my wife and I, along with 10 other people, way back in the day, back in February 27, 1994. 1994, uh, I had no computer back then. No. I had a mobile phone, which wasn't that mobile. It was one of those big old things. Um, there was no colour. Everything was black and white. Remember that, Pastor Nina? Yeah, yeah, everything was black and white. There was no colour. Uh, but it, it was, uh, there was no trading on Sunday. Yeah. And Saturday, all the shops shut at 12 o'clock. So it's just a different world back then, but little by little, slowly but surely, here we are almost 30 years later, 30 years next year. So uh, we've been doing that, and it was in that time that I got to meet Pastor Mark and Nina. That's how I actually got to know these guys, because they uh, are originally from Adelaide, and uh, obviously that's why I'm here today. I assure you I was invited. I just didn't walk off the street and just get up here, okay? I promise you that. <laughs> so uh, I, I uh, do thank you for the invitation. But I know you don't know me, but uh, hopefully you'll get to know me a little bit today, and I'll get to know you. But most uh, importantly, I, I want you to be blessed today. I want you to be encouraged today. It's not a heavy message. I, I just want to help you lift your heads today. I, I hope when I've finished and I say my final amen, that uh, you'll all lift your heads and just feel encouraged and blessed. Does that sound good? Uh, a quick family photo. It'd be wrong of me not to introduce my family. So if we can have that up there, that's obviously me on the end there. Uh, my wife in the pink suit next to me. We've been married for 31 years. We wow. dated for eight years before that. So next year, we've been together for 40 years. Wow. So that's pretty cool. So And, and I, I could play a little game, where did we meet? But you'd never guess, and I'd spend all my time trying to guess. So I'm just going to tell you, we met at roller skating. Not at church, not at high school, not at university, roller skating. Some of you young ones don't even know what that was. <laughs> to you, I say this. Think of the coolest thing to do right now. Roller skating was cooler than that. That's all I'll say about roller skating. <laughs> so yeah, we met as 14 years uh, old and uh, been together ever since, which is great. The young lady in the pink is my uh, newly adopted daughter-in-law. Wow. I got married my son, who's next to her. Uh, they got married in April this year. They're both 23 years of age. In the middle is our youngest, Bailey. She's 17, doing her last year of school. And then my oldest daughter, Jordan, and her uh, husband, they're both 20, what is it, 25. So they got married in Bali in 2020, just before that little thing, COVID, happened. Remember COVID? Did you get COVID up here? Yeah, we had, kind of affected the whole world. Affected the whole world, didn't it? So... Um, that's our family. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, as family, that's what I love about the church. We are, we are a family. Turn to the person next and say, we are family. We are. We are we're family. We're family. And uh, last night, we did a family thing with Pastor Mark. He phoned me, actually, and said this. He said, do you like AFL? <laughs> now, I, I read people pretty well. 
But I knew what pa my, uh, Pastor Mark was putting down. He wasn't really asking me. What he was screaming at me is, I want to watch the football. And so I said to Pastor Mike, Look, I, I would love to watch the football with you. So we, we, I, I joined him around their house and uh, we watched the football with the reclining chairs, which is great, and had a few nibbles and uh, had a cup of tea, which was kind of cool. And uh, we watched the Brisbane Lions get up and win. But wait, there's more. Because straight after that, change the channel, the rugby's on, and guess what? The Broncos get up and win. What a weekend to be in Brisbane. I mean, this is crazy. I feel like an adopted Brisbane boy. I'm, I'm all about the Lions and the Broncos. In, in Adelaide, I go for the Crows, which is just not even worth mentioning. But uh, go the Lions. Go the Broncos. That's, that's what I say. But, but uh, if, if I know you, if I know you, there's no way you're satisfied with just getting to the grand final. You want more. Don't you? Yeah. You want more. You're not happy with just getting to the final. You want to win the grand final. You don't want to just get there. You want to actually sit in the glory. You want to bask in the glory. Why? Because you want more, which is a great segue for me to highlight what it is that I want to talk about with you today because I believe that there is more in store for you as an individual I believe there's more in store for you in your marriage, in your family. I believe there's more in store for this church. Do you believe that? If you believe it, why don't you shout out more? Let's do it again. More. I love that. And the title of my message, if you're one of those who takes notes, is simply this, more than before. Because I believe there is more in store for each and every one of you, no matter what you're at. And if you've come today and you're experiencing the best day of your life to date, that's great. Well, I believe you can have more. And if you're struggling today, then the good news is I believe that there is more in store for you. Things are going to get better for you. Amen? Do you believe that? Excellent, excellent, excellent. This is an amazing church. You know, I was telling the other campus that um, we hear in Adelaide great things about this church, which is unusual because it's normally bad news that travels, but there's good news that's traveled all the way down to Adelaide about this church. So no, I really do believe that your best days are ahead of you and that there is indeed more in store. And I just want to encourage you to get along to Summit this particular week because there's more in store. There's something about the church coming together, not just on a Sunday for an hour or two, but when you set aside a Thursday, a Friday, and a Saturday, and not just sit, but soak in the presence, soak in the atmosphere of family, things shift. We used to do it as teenagers when we were at youth, at youth camp. But you know what? Even though we grow up, we still need those moments of soaking. And Pastor Mark has created an environment where we can sit in and soak in the presence of God and the presence of one another. And I don't know if you know when you've ever done the dishes. If you have a dirty dish and clean it straight away, you can clean it real quick. Yeah. But if you don't get onto it straight away, particularly if you've had wheat bix and it sits there for a day or a week or a month or a year, and you try and wash that bowl with wheat bix in it, it goes like concrete. And there's no way a quick rinse is going to do it. Sometimes a quick rinse will get off food, but, but not one that's been sitting there 
And the only way to get off that baked on, cement-like wheat bix is to put hot water and let it soak. And there are some things God can just deal with. And there are some things that you can just experience in a moment. And there are other things that just take some time. And summer is designed and set aside time for you to get what you need individually and collectively. So if you haven't registered, then make sure you do that this week because you don't want to be the person that misses out. Because what's going to happen on Sunday, everyone's going to be talking about it. And you're going to be going, oh, I wish I was there. Well, you don't have to wish you were there. All you've got to do is sign up now and be there. Does that sound good? So yeah, you can clap. I don't know why we're clapping. Let's just clap because I, I, I don't know, just, just the Christian thing we do. Let's just clap. We haven't clapped for a while. We better clap. It's just, I like that. Just, I don't know what to do. We just clap. Uh, that's fantastic. Awesome. One more time, everyone say more. Excellent. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 4. You can turn on your device, you might have an old school Bible, or you can look on the screen. I think the notes will come up behind me. I want to read a passage of scripture that doesn't often get preached about too much. And it's found in Luke chapter 4, verse 13, uh, verse 13, verse 38. It says, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, the Simon referred here is Peter the Apostle. So as we talk about Simon in the future, we're going to be referring to Peter. It says, now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever. It left her. She got up at once, and get this, began to wait on them. I love this passage, one, because it doesn't get preached on too much. But it's about a woman, Peter's mother-in-law. Anyone have a mother-in-law out there? Love your mother-in-law? Good, you should love your mother-in-law. No mother-in-law jokes. But, but, but she got sick, was bedridden, Jesus comes, heals her, and she gets up again. And that's a great cause for celebration. But what I love about this passage of Scripture, it doesn't just stop there. And I think sometimes we just camp around our celebration. Isn't that good? Yeah, but... She went on to experience more. It wasn't just that Jesus healed her. The story goes on and she goes on to experience more. She doesn't camp around her disappointment. Woe is me. She doesn't camp around the celebration. Yay, I'm healed. She goes on to experience more. And that's the premise of my message today. Because I believe like Peter's mother-in-law, there's more in store for each and every one of us. But more is going to require certain things from us. I don't know if you've ever tried to buy a home or you've tried to buy a car or anything of that nature and there's the base model and there's all these extra things you can get. There's more things you can get to that home, that car or that appliance, whatever the case may be. But with each more, it comes at a cost. It comes at a price. And so if we want to experience more, we have to be prepared to engage in the certain requirements it takes to get the more. More is good, but there is a cost. And so in our short time here this morning, I want to highlight three things that it's going to take from us in order to have more than before. Number one, more than before requires endurance. Everyone say endurance. Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed, flat on her back, but she got up again. 
don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life where you've been knocked off your feet. You've had the wind taken out of your sail. You've been lost for words, whatever the case may be. But the good news is you can get up again. For Peter's mother-in-law, it was sickness. Maybe for you, it was a broken relationship. Maybe for you, it's a failed marriage. Maybe it's for you, it's a failed business venture. What I love about the church, we are, here, we are not here to point a finger. We are not here to condemn. We're here to give you help and hope. We're here to say, your best days are ahead. There is more in store for you. Peter's mother-in-law laying on her back, but she got up again. And the good news is, you can get back up again. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but this one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, press on, I say, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, it's been said that you do not determine your greatness by your, all your talent or your wealth as the world does, but rather by what it takes to discourage you and to make you quit. You're only as great as what it takes to make you quit. I know I would be speaking to 100% of people in this room if I was to ask the question, who here has ever had a tough day? Who here has ever been knocked off their feet? Who here has ever struggled or suffered in some way or experienced some sort of hardship? I know for me, we've had multiple moments over my life and ministry where we've had tough moments and tough times. In actual fact, we've had tough years. For us, 2016 was a phenomenally difficult year. I think we could all say 2020 was a tough year for the whole world. Coronavirus was thrown in the mix and it kind of knocked a lot of people off their feet. For us, four years prior to that in 2016, we had a we had one of those crazy years. And I'm sure you've had a crazy year or a crazy month or a crazy week. But for us in 2016, it started in January when our youth were up on a youth camp. A little storm cloud rolls in. A bit of rain comes. A couple of lightning strikes. And in that time, two of our youth members got struck by lightning. One of them died. One of them lived. The one that died was Chris Guglielmici, Danny's oldest son. And the other was our niece, standing right next to Chris. One died, one lived. I don't know what your theology says about that, but you've got to find a theology that can land after something like that. And during that time, I've got to, I've got to lead the church through that. I've got to find and manage the grief that I'm experiencing for the, for the loss of a staff member and loss of a mate. And then try and answer people's questions and say, why did he die and why is she alive? And then some are saying, what is going on at your church that these things would even be allowed to happen? What have you done so wrong? You know, all, the, all this stuff, all, the, all these superstitions come to the fore. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, if you, if you mean I'm sorry to hear that, you're welcome. I'm like, you know, there's people, people like crazy in those times. And, and the, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, a youth pastor serving on a youth camp get struck by lightning. 
And you've got to be able to manage that. that. That was the start of the year. And then the March of that very same year, my wife gets lumps where there shouldn't be lumps. And so we've got this whole cancer thing that you have to work through. And then in April, my son breaks his arm, which obviously isn't as big a deal. I get it. But it was a big deal for me because when my son was younger, I said he'll never break his arm. You might say, why would you say such a thing? I said, well, when my son was younger, he had lots of accidents. But he always landed on his head. <laughs> and so he went to hospital multiple times to get stitches. And I said to his mum, my wife, I said, hey, babe, at least he'll never break an arm because he always lands on his head, jokingly. But in 2016, he broke his arm. And I'm like, come on. We've got death. We've got cancer scare. And I got a broken arm. That was a big deal for me. I didn't like that one. Like, come on, a broken arm? And then in the May of that very same year, I'm, I'm still trying to get my wind. I'm trying to go back and knock off your feet. I'm still trying to navigate my own grief with Chris and everything else and, and lead the church to it and some of the stuff that's going on. And then in May, I get struck down with a blood infection. We didn't know what it was initially, but three days after being in hospital, they found out it was a blood infection. And then this long road to recovery started. And the blood infection was so severe, I, I, my life was in the balance. And I'm lying there thinking, our youth pastor died, our senior pastor died. I mean, who on earth is going to, you know, assuming I die, this is what I'm thinking, who's going to want to lead this church? <laughs> that's, that's the thought you have. I'm lying there thinking, I would want to lead this church. Everyone dies. <laughs> and you've got to navigate these moments. And, and uh, by God's grace, lots of prayers being answered and an incredible medical team I managed, little by little, slowly but surely, to get through that. I was in hospital for many weeks and came out of that and then had this drip in my arm for many weeks after that. And I no sooner got, no sooner got through that, they said, hey, we've got good news and bad news. We've got on top of the blood infection. But the bad news is the blood infection was so severe it attacked one of your heart valves. And so as soon as you're well enough, we need you to go back into hospital and have heart surgery. I'm like, oh, come on. Come on. And so I went back into the hospital in the July of that same year and had heart surgery. And the crazy thing about that year for us, I know there are people in this room who can see that and raise it with all the stuff you've been through. So I'm not here to say, poor old me. I'm not here saying I've been through the worst. I know there's many, many in this room who have been through far worse than me. But the reality is, whether big or small, we've all had the wind knocked out of our sail. We've all had to face adversity and hardship. When Paul wrote that passage that I've just read to you, he wrote it not from the comfort of a hotel. He wrote it from a prison. He wrote it from a very uncomfortable environment. But he wrote with a confidence. He wrote about the secret and the source of his strength came from, his contentment came from being in Christ. And I love that. Because in spite of what you may have been taught or may have thought, Christianity isn't always about winning. It's about learning the art of losing victoriously. And when you know how to lose victoriously, you win on every occasion. When you understand this, that your contentment is not in what happens to you, but what happens in you, you win on every occasion. When you're losing, you're winning. When you're winning, you're winning. 
you're always winning because it's not about you and what happens to you. It's about what happens in you. And I'll never forget when I got to the end of 2016, it was such a dear and special year for me because what I got was not answers to my prayer. I mean, there's a lot of unanswered questions to this day. And at the end of 2016, after that crazy year that we experienced as a family, as an individual, as a church, I didn't get answers, but you know what I got? I can guarantee you this, I got God. I got him at a whole nother level. And I'll never forget December 31. Were you taking a photo of me? I'm just going to... Let's just do the... No. no. I'll never forget December 31, last day of the year. I'm going for my normal routine, normal walk, and I'm praying to God, and I've got tears in my eyes. I said, God, never let me forget this year. It's been so special. It's been so beautiful. It's been so amazing. I, I, I have seen you. I've encountered you in a way I have never done previously. Why did Chris, how come? I don't know. All I know is I got God at a whole deeper level. Amen? So don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit. But stay. For those of you who are thinking of running, for those of you who are thinking of quitting, for those of you who are thinking of giving up, don't you dare. Don't do it. You know, when our dog was a, was a puppy, we had to have him put down after 10 years of much joy, much frustration, but joy as well. But uh, when he was a puppy, we had to teach him how to stay because that's what every good dog owner does. You want to, you know, when you've got people come over, you want your dog, you know, to stay and be controlled. And I just found that season so frustrating because the dog wanted to be everywhere but staying. And I'll never forget this one moment. I'm trying to get this dog to stay. Come on, sit. And I've been told if you have doggy treats, I'm doing all the doggy treats. I'm doing the one meter, the three meter. It was frustrating. I'm doing all those right things, but he's just not complying. And I'm getting so frustrated to the point of getting just mad at this little dog. And I felt God interrupt me and said, you're like that. My church is like that. I didn't laugh then, did you? No, only laughing at my expense. Yeah, I got you. So if we want to be everywhere but where he wants us to be, stay. Stay. And I feel God sent me up here to this beautiful part of the world, the promised land, just to encourage you to not give up, not quit, but to stay. Winston Churchill was asked to speak at his old school in Harrow. And he said this. It's a, it's a well-known, famous quote and speech. He says, never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honour and good sense. What does more than before require? Firstly, it requires endurance. Secondly, it requires energy. Everyone say energy. energy. We see Peter's mother-in-law not only got up, which is great, but she began to serve again. Moments earlier, she couldn't do that. She was flat on her back. But she got up, and she didn't just get up, but she served yeah. again. I heard before that there was some ask about serving at the summit or the ACC conference yep. yeah. or Sunday after Sunday. This is, what else do you want to, we're, we're there, we might as well just open the door. Serve. And, and Peter's mother-in-law serves. She served them all. What was the difference from being flat on her back to now being willing to serve again? The difference was Jesus, his presence, his power, 
his purpose in a life. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. What's the key? What's the secret? It's him. We have access to the supernatural power of God that energizes us to do all things. God wants to do and to add his super to our natural. He wants us to live supernatural lives. And the way he does that is by fitting us with the Holy Spirit, filling us with more of himself. You know, I I love the comics and I love Superman and Spider-Man and Batman and all those guys. But I remember as a kid watching Clark Kent, he would go into the phone booth as Clark Kent and he'd come out different. He'd come out as Superman. Remember that there was a change that took place? Well, Well, I see this like a big phone box that we go in one way, we leave another. And and I believe that's the same with our prayer times. It's the same when we open the Bible. It transforms us. It changes us. The presence of Jesus changes us and transforms us. The grace of God empowers us to do what we can't do in our own strength. Are you with me today? You know, I, I love the Word of God. And I have my favorite verses just like you have your favorite verses. Do you have a favorite verse? That's good. I'm so glad you do. What is, who has a worse verse? Who has a verse yep. they don't like? Yep. Who has a verse that they just wish wasn't in the Bible? Yeah. Come on, let's just get honest this morning. Because I have my favorites, yeah, but I have my, my least favorites. Yeah. I have the ones I don't like. And right up there in my I don't like that verse is this one. Love your enemies. <laughs> I, 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 I hate that one. I've I got, got a massive problem with that. I'm like, God, they're my enemies for a reason. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, if they weren't my enemies, I'd love them. It's just it's because they're my enemies, I don't love them. I mean, it's just not natural to love my enemies. If I love my enemies, they wouldn't be enemies. They'd be friends. What, what does he mean? It doesn't even make sense to me. Love your enemies. But what I find is what's impossible for me, what's hard for me, what I don't like doing in my own strength, his grace empowers me to do. Because I'm incapable of loving my enemies in my own strength as a natural man. But when I'm filled with the supernatural power of God, I find myself loving people that previously I couldn't. Loving people that have actually done some serious harm towards me and my reputation and all these things that we can conjure up in our mind. And I say, God, you're so good. And God's done it for me and he wants to do it for each and every one of us. I, I mentioned that when I was in hospital, I almost died, but the thing is, I didn't. And that means if I'm not dead, then guess what? I'm not done. And if you're not dead, then you're not done. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, if you're still breathing, just check. Are you still breathing? You're still breathing? Check your pulse then you've got some work to do. And God wants to empower you to give you the strength and the energy to do what we can't do in our own strength. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder. I love that. Paul saw grace as something that empowered him to work. Not just to sit in meetings over and over and then do nothing. He actually saw the grace of God gave the energy and the power to work which is an amazing thought to me. I worked harder than all of them. 
yet not I, but the grace of God that was at work within me. You know what I've learned about the presence of God? We don't always get the answer to the prayers that we want. And so sometimes grace doesn't come in the form of answers. It doesn't come in the form of healing. It doesn't come in the form of what we want. But the grace can sometimes just shift our perspective. Paul prayed three times to have this thorn in his flesh removed. And it never went. But he got a perspective shift. My grace is sufficient. My grace. My grace. I thank God when he answers prayers and people get healed. I thank God when the supernatural happens. I'm grateful for that. But it doesn't always land that way. And we've got to be able to shift our perspective. I introduced our family at the beginning of my message and in the middle is our son. He's our middle son. His name is Mitchell, which means like God. He's my one and only son, which makes him, guess what, like Jesus. And when he was young, he had ADHD and LMNOP. He had all the letters. And he was here, there, and everywhere. He was like omnipresent, so he's like the Holy Spirit. He's my mate. He's, he's, he's just a great lad. But he was born with no fingers on his left hand. And they picked that up in the womb, and they told us, because of that and some other complications, Mr. and Mrs. Rainbow, you should terminate this child. We chose not to. They kind of told us off for not taking their advice. They didn't like that. We stood our ground. Long story short, he was born without fingers on his left hand. To this day, he still has no fingers on his left hand. God has not seemingly healed him, although we have prayed. But when he was four years of age, he comes back from kindergarten and he's not his chirpy, chipper self. He's a little bit forlorn. He's a little bit upset. And I say, hey, Mitch, what's the matter, mate? He asked me the question I knew was coming, the question I was dreading, the question I wasn't looking forward to answering, namely because I didn't have an answer. And he says, Dad, why was I born with no fingers on this hand? Because obviously kids being inquisitive, they're not always being rude, they're just being inquisitive, they ask the question and he's got no answer, so he asks me. The trouble is, as his dad, I've got no answers. So this is what I said. I said, Mitch, I don't know. Parenting 101. If you don't know something, be honest. Don't make up something. Because what happened afterwards was, just a, was, a, was an absolute God drop. No sooner had I said to Mitch, I said, I don't know, but I got this God drop. And I felt a supernatural energy come. And a supernatural fresh perspective come that I wanted to let Mitch know about. I didn't have it previously, but the moment I said, I don't know, something awakened in me. I said, Mitch, I don't know. But you know what, Mitch? He goes, what, Dad? I said, I don't know why you've got blonde hair. I said, Mitch, you know what else I don't know? I don't know why you've got piercing blue eyes. He goes. And then I said, hey, Mitch. You know what else I don't know? I don't know why you're so incredibly handsome. I said, Mitch, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a lot of ugly kids out there and you're not one of them. <laughs> and from that day to this, he has never asked me about his hand again. He just knows he's handsome and there's a lot of ugly kids out there. <laughs> Nothing shifted and yet everything shifted. He still doesn't have any fingers on his hand. He has a great perspective on life. 
He's right-handed, but he learned to play the guitar, but he learned to play it left-handed. Because he's got a godly, fresh perspective. God didn't answer his prayers. He hasn't answered my prayers the way I would have liked. He's done something bigger. He's done something better. He's done something deeper. The grace of God doesn't always come in answered prayers the way we want the prayers to be answered. Sometimes it's a perspective shift. You want more this morning? Which brings me to my third and final point, and that's simply this. More than before requires enthusiasm. Can we get the band up here? That'd be awesome. More than before requires enthusiasm. Peter's mother-in-law not only got up, Peter's mother-in-law not only began to serve, but it says that she did it at once, which speaks of no procrastination, which speaks of an enthusiasm that sadly is missing in many churches. Not this one, but I've been to some churches and it's sadly missing. This enthusiastic involvement. She couldn't serve quick enough. And she served, I believe, with a smile on her face. She served with a glint in her eye. She served with a spring in her step. She served with a plate in her hand. I imagine her walking around and saying, do you like some sandwiches? Tim Tams, just let me whip some up. I'll just, whatever, I'll get those for you. It's like young David, the shepherd boy, running towards Goliath. He's running with a smile on his face, a glint in his eye, a a spring in his step, a sling in his hand. I love that thought. See, we don't want you just getting up again. Oh my goodness. If all you're going to do is get up from that tragedy and be miserable, my advice is don't get up. I say that in love. We don't want you just to get up. And we don't even want you just serving again. Walking around. Suppose I better say. We don't want that. We want you to get up with a fresh perspective. You begin to serve again with a glint in your eye, a smile on your face, a spring in your step, joy in your heart. That's what we want. That's what God wants from each and every one of us. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you've been through, God wants people who not only serve, but serve enthusiastically. I'm sure in the rich teaching you receive week after week here, that you would have heard it said that uh, enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, entheo, which means to be in God. We want to be enthusiastic because to be enthusiastic means to be in God. And when you're in God, you can't help but be enthusiastic. People ask, you know, do you raise your hands because the Bible says, well, it is in the Bible. It's not why I raise my hands. I raise my hands in church for the same reason everyone raised their hands last night at the football. And the rugby league, I saw them. They haven't read their Bibles. They didn't go to their Bibles to know how to celebrate. It's just instinctive. When you're watching what you love, when you're watching who you love, you don't need a book to tell you how to respond. There's this this natural response. When your team's winning, woohoo! Go the Lions, I say. Go the Broncos. I mean, come on. It's an enthusiasm. And we don't want the football crowds to be more enthusiastic about a bunch of guys kicking a bag of wind. 
than we are about our Lord and Saviour. I heard what you said, Pastor Joe, at the communion. I, I was there with you, man. I, I believe I didn't have communion to eat because we came in late, but I was there. I agree. I'm so grateful to our Lord and Saviour who went on a miserable cross for me. Man, that's worth getting excited about. That's worth being enthusiastic about. One man who was enthusiastic to the point of not giving up was John Wesley, an incredible reformer. John Wesley wrote 233 books, preached 50,000 sermons, raised 11,000 preachers, and under his ministry saw one-third of England saved in the 1700s. And in his diary, some of his diary recordings have been kind of put up there for people to see and read. But in this particular part of his diary, we read that on May the 5th, he preached at St. Hans and he says he was not asked to come back. That night he preached at St. John's and he can't go back there. This is in his diary. May 12, I preached at St. Judas. I'm not allowed to go back there again. Must be something to do with the name. Who knows? Who would even have a church called St. Judas? I, I'm, not, I'm a bit... I'm, I'm like, wow. Anyway, there's a red flag. I'm just saying... I'm just, May 19, I preached at St. Paul's. Can't return there. That night I preached on the street. I was kicked off. Wow. You people are laughing at the wrong things. This kind of shows just how broken this church is. <laughs> uh, you, you'll love this one. May 26, preached in a field and the farmer set a bull on him. <laughs> June 2nd. Yes, it is. June 2nd, preached at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. But that night, he preached in a field and 10,000 people gave their life to Jesus. June 2nd. What would have happened if on June 1 he said, I'm done. Woe is me. That church, St. Judas. That farmer setting a bull on me. Why? Why, God? He just kept going. With a spring in his step, I might add. With a glint in his eye. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Energised in a supernatural way. Kept going. And then on June 2nd, not in the morning, but at night, 10,000 people in a field came to know Jesus. People we get to see when we're in heaven. Talking about that. So good. And so if you're anything like me, and you felt like giving up, because I have. And you found yourself lacking energy, as I have. So I don't stand up here as a preacher with all the answers. I'm in this journey with you. People often say, man, it's like you're reading my mind. No, you're just a person, I'm a person. The reality is, we're kind of going to go through some of the same things. And so I felt like giving up. You've felt like giving up. I've lacked energy. You've lacked energy, I'm sure. I've lost enthusiasm. I'm sure you've lost enthusiasm. But here I am. Because of the grace of God. You see, when my heart was attacked by a blood infection, it quite literally broke my heart. Literally. And because my heart was broken, or you could say I was heartbroken, it needed fixing. The trouble is, I couldn't fix my own heart. 
can, can you just picture this for a minute? I have a Monty Python view of so much of my life. I just imagine me lying on a surgery table just trying to do my own heart surgery. It's just never going to happen. One, I'm not a doctor. I don't even have the skill set. But even if I did, you just, it would be impossible. You can't fix your own heart. I needed to place my heart in the hands of another. Someone who was qualified. Someone who was trained. Someone who was able to fix my heart. I didn't just give my heart to anybody. Hey, Joe, come up here, man. I've got a heart problem. No, it had to be a certain somebody. And so it is when it comes to not the heart that pumps blood around our body, but the heart that feels, the heart that loves, the heart that hurts. And if you have been in this life longer than five years, which is everyone in this room, there's a high chance your heart has been hurt. And you might get over it once and twice. But when you get to my age, which is getting close towards 100 these days, <laughs> it can build up. And it can be like a death by a thousand cuts. It's not one cut, it's all the cuts. And the only way to deal with that is to give a heart to God. To place our heart in His hands and let Him heal, let Him fix let him do a work that you and I, in ourselves, are incapable of doing. And the doctor that fixed my heart through the heart surgery, he was very kind, very patient, very loving, very skillful. Jesus is all that and so much more. So much more. So much more. Will you stand with me this morning? I'm going to throw back to your pastor. But I just love this opportunity because maybe there are some here. You've never received Christ into your heart. Or like the prodigal son, you've walked away from God because of the pain, because of the hurt. Or maybe you've just allowed circumstances and situations to dull your edge. I want to read a passage from Matthew to you. Because it's an invitation if you're feeling like that. It says, if you're tired, worn out, burnt out on religion, come to me. This is Jesus speaking. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. To those who've never received Christ, to those who've walked away from God, to those right now that are just feeling tired and weary, Listen up. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and rightly. If you're wanting that for your life this morning, just a fresh touch, a fresh impartation. I don't know what God wants to do tonight, but I do want to take this moment just to invite you. Come back tonight.
and share again and maybe we have a bit more time just to massage this thought in and maybe a bit more response but just for the here and now if that's you just raise your hand we're saying yes to Jesus we want more of him we want more of him we're sick and tired of being tired I'm going to pray I'm going to hand back to Pastor Joe Father you see the hands more importantly you see the hearts you see the hurts and I pray, Father, you would meet people right where they're at right now. Whatever stage and phase they're at in their journey. Whether it's questions about who you are. Whatever it may be. We just pray, Holy Spirit, you come and meet people right here, right now. That the tiredness, the weariness would give way to your peace, your presence. We ask these things this morning. In your precious name, would you come and just saturate us with your love here this morning? In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what Pastor Tony has deposited into us today. Lord God, I pray that it would go deeply into us. Lord, that we would never lose sight. God, of what you have done for us, and that there is more than before. Lord God, that we would truly walk out of here, as he said, with our head lifted up that little bit more. Lord God, that we would fix our eyes on you, that we would walk towards you, not away from you. Lord God, that we would run towards you, run into your arms, not away from you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us to hold on to that word of encouragement. And to take it out, to take it not just into our own lives and apply it, but Lord God, let it overflow from us, God, into the lives of those around us. I pray that this week you would grant us opportunity and Holy Spirit, help us to create opportunities with those in our influence or those we work with, those we live with, those around us, where we can encourage them with that same thought, Lord God, that there's more for them, Lord, that if they're going through something, that there is more for them as well. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Can we thank Pastor Tony for (laughs) preaching this morning?